Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-Game. My guest today on the A-Game Podcast is Ryan Smith. This is a guy I met through one of my masterminds that was there. And what he was doing was finding ways for some of the guys who were looking for deals in their market, but have they been fishing and now they're kind of striking out, they're having a hard time finding stuff. And he was kind of coming in and being the guy who goes a little bit deeper next level and finds all these outside the box little niche ways to find deals that other people aren't. And from there, it's grown. And then I wound up seeing him at a bunch of other stuff. And he did some really cool presentations and some really good speaking engagements on a pulling list, the right list, the right places to go, how to budget, how to factor them in, how to keep the bad properties off, how to have the good conversations. And it's really just the bread and butter of off-market marketing. And he does a lot of it for wholesalers, but obviously the whole principle of real estate is finding a discounted piece of property from a motivated seller. That's what he specializes in, whatever you're going to exit with, whether you're going to buy them for yourself to fix and rent, fix and flip, keep long-term, build, whatever it is. It starts with getting a lead. And like he says during this episode, we talk a lot about the three components of the list, the copy and the offer. So how do we get those all right? Where's the best places to pick? What is a list if you don't even know what it is? How do you get there? Where do you get them from? Why would you pick certain ones? Is there better ones, worse ones, direct mail, cold calling, RVM, all, all these different things. We talk about the mindset, why some investors fail, some of the biggest mistakes in marketing and lead generation, especially for real estate investors. And this is a guy who is just very nice. Every time I see him, just a really sweet guy, good guy, always has time. And, uh, smart. I love intelligent people that are just good, always giving good value. He's in a lot of circles. Everybody likes him and respects him that I know. And uh, I've been a big fan of him for a long time since the first time I met him. So I was really happy to have him on, as you guys can see. And uh, check the show notes. I'm going to update this a little bit when we get closer, but he's got some new stuff coming out for working with people to help get in front of more people as far as influencers. Like we talk about the not finding your dream 100, but finding your dream 100 that already have their dream 100 is a really good way to go. And then some ways to build out your marketing and your lead generation is something he's helping out with as well. So go on nicknicknick.com slash links under our affiliates. You can find a way to get a free consultation with him and get a really good rate on what he's doing as far as bringing in leads and marketing for you and your business. So definitely have that conversation, even if you're starting out new or if you currently have a provider or somebody you're working with, maybe you're looking to get some better results. This is definitely a guy that knows what he's doing. And uh, I definitely put my stamp of approval on him. So nicknicknick.com slash links. Go check out under our affiliates. You'll see our other affiliates there as well, like William Brandon, Naked Warrior Recovery CBD, um, Nationwide Business Capital Group. Any of them you contact, just tell them the E-Game podcast sent you over and you're going to get preferred rates and better treatment because you're a friend of the show and uh, and so are they. So definitely use them, help the show going. While you're on it, nicknicknick.com slash links. You'll see all the ways to connect with us on social media. So please follow us on Instagram, follow us on YouTube, follow us on Facebook, ask questions on the Facebook group. That's the tuition for this show. Everybody's coming on for free and they give them really good information. The way I get them to keep coming on is by you guys engaging with us on social media, sharing, liking the posts that we put out. It takes two seconds to scroll and just hit share, hit the like button, put a little fist bump on there. When I post the articles or I post the clips of Ryan from this show, let them know you're watching, let them know you appreciate it. And last but certainly not least, nicknicknick.com slash bigger pockets is a way you can go and you can link up to get a free checklist for all the ways to bring more value to your buyers as a real estate agent, wholesaler, or broker. Great place to go for a free list. Biggest thing here is I want to do more real estate with more people this year. If you're looking to do real estate and you don't even know where to start or what you want to do, whether it's your first deal, your next deal, all you have to do is text the word real estate to 516. 540-5733. Again, that's the word real estate, 2516-540-5733. And text me and we'll figure out if you want to buy properties from me, if you want to sell properties to me, or if you're not even really sure what you want to do, you just want to figure out how do we work together? How do we partner together? What can that look like? What kind of opportunities are out there? Let's have that conversation. Text me directly, real estate, 516-540-5733. Thank you for listening. Thank Mr. Ryan Smith for coming on. Very much appreciate it. Have a great day, everybody. Hey Game Podcast. 
All right, my guest today on the A-Game Podcast is a former Marine and current lifelong entrepreneur who is a marketing master. He's had his ups and downs in life and business like everybody, but he's found ways to continue swimming upstream and achieving his goals. He helps others do the same, overcoming mental obstacles in life and business, especially through his tried and tested systems of saving time and saving money by generating better leads for you and your real estate investments. I've seen him speak. I think he's an outstanding speaker. He gives tons of great value, and he's spoken at some of the biggest stages, including Flip Hacking Live with none other than our friend Bill Allen, and he's worked with some of the most successful investors in single family and multifamily in the industry today. He's the the owner and operator of Lead Smith RE and is launching a new direct mail product after spending years working out the benefits to make you more money with less time and hiccups that we're going to talk all about that he's got coming soon. Please welcome to the A-Game Podcast, somebody I've been hunting down to get on for a long time that I very much like and respect. Welcome to the A-Game Podcast, Mr. Ryan Smith. Wow, Nick. Thank you so much. What a what an incredible introduction. I appreciate you having me, man. Man, since the uh, first time I met you, you've just been so approachable and like, accommodating and just sitting down and talking. And, and uh, I know, I think I grabbed you at one of the masterminds I was at that you were speaking at. And uh, I was like, oh, I don't want to bother you. And you were so nice to everybody with uh, with your time. And uh, that really always resonated with you. So I've always been a big fan. And then when I ran up to you at uh, Flip Hacking Live, I was like, oh, it's the guy who's so nice with all the marketing stuff, man. So I always appreciate making uh, contacts with good people, sir. And you were uh, off when nobody looking. You were just a good, nice guy. So I really appreciate it. And I'm happy to have you on. Awesome, man. Well, I, I really appreciate it. That's that's honestly what what uh, attracted me to you as well. I mean, you're just giving so, so much to everybody around you. And I thought, man, you know, this this guy's awesome. So I, I'm glad we we're able to connect again. Yeah, me too, man. So for people who might be living under a rock that aren't 100% familiar with you yet, which is interesting because I, I do a lot of research on guests, but you have such like a, a popular name. It's so hard to find like you <laughs> within like all the other Ryan Smiths. So talk a little bit about yeah. uh, a background about who you are and where you came from to get to where, you're today, where you are today. Yeah, absolutely. So I um, grew up in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, passions were or soccer and music, um, did that growing up and then uh, some jobs through and, um, I decided I need to make a change and, uh, ended up joining the Marine Corps. Um, did that, did a couple tours in Iraq, um, got out, started teaching, uh, basically the next group of people that were going to be going over there, um, taught cybersecurity and then, uh, started doing some moonlight with wholesaling, uh, on the side. So I'd work my day job teaching cybersecurity. And then I do uh, wholesaling stuff at night. And eventually I got to the point where the wholesaling stuff picked up enough where it took over and I didn't have to work my W-2 anymore. So uh, that's kind of been the journey. And, um, you know, since since leaving my W-2, now I run a, a, a marketing agency that works with real estate investors, specifically um, wholesalers and flippers. I love that, man. And I uh, thank you for, very much for your service, man. Marines are always good in my book, man. Nothing, I've only met great people that come from the Marine Corps. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. So I'm always interested for, before we jump into the marketing side of stuff, I, I just had a conversation too with a couple of them, but I always love how whenever I go in and I talk to brand new investors, all they want is like, hey man, just give me the ABCs, give me the nuts and bolts, give me the checklist. Like that's all I need. And as uh, you know, many people have said, but Beardy Brandon from Bigger Pockets, he's, if information was all we needed, everybody would have a billion dollars in a six pack. Obviously there's something else missing. And when I'm in high level rooms with guys like yourself and Tim Bratz and Mark Evans and uh, Bill Allen's and the Adam Whitney's, they don't talk about all that stuff. They talk about the mindset stuff and the stuff that goes on in the background between our ears and, and how to really keep yourself motivated and create better habits. And that's the stuff that I think is really important. And I thought it was great on your last flip hacking live thing, when you started talking about swimming upstream and really like changing the story of who you are. So being somebody that came from a background that I'll, I'll let you tell a little bit about it, but you've literally reinvented yourself and created like a whole new story for yourself, which I think is amazing. So when people think they can't do that or it's too late or they tell themselves, well, that's for somebody else. That's not for me. I mean, you're literally an example of how that is not true. And it all came from just a decision. Yeah, man, I, I really appreciate that. Um, yeah. So I've, uh, I've learned a lot of lessons along the way and a lot of them I've learned the hard way, but uh, when I was telling my story earlier about, you know, my early 20s, and I did a few different jobs or whatever else, um, the part that I didn't include was, um, I had developed quite a drinking habit during that time. And, um, you know, I thought that I knew how the world worked at that time. Um, but I, I really, really didn't. And it wasn't until um, I went through the process of getting sober, and then 
I did the Marine Corps thing. And in the Marine Corps, one of the big questions um, that I've always wanted to find out since a young age was, how does the same thing happen to two different people? And they have completely different reactions to them. And my my um, decision to join the Marine Corps in a large part was to find out the answer to that question. So when I got out of the Marine Corps, I thought that mindset was simply your ability to handle pain, push through pain, uh, you know, how long can you go? Um, I thought it was that. And when I got into business, I quickly realized that there's so much more to this mindset thing than just simply mental toughness. You know, there's there's the beliefs aspect of it. And, you know, I think a lot of us have these beliefs that are programmed into us at a very young age from our parents and the other people around us. And if we never go back and re-examine those things that we, you know, just automatically assume are true, um, we can't ever grow. So that has been the most kind of eye-opening thing to me is stop assuming that I've already run that through my head and figured it out and go back and re-examine those truths from time to time and see if they're still true for us now. Man, I think that that's so incredible. And it, it's amazing how people tell themselves these stories for their whole life because somebody said something across the way and they, they just take that as gospel and they don't do anything about it. You know, my shout out to my brother, but I mean, he just like mid thirties, all of a sudden was like, I've been this person my whole life and I don't want to be this person anymore. And literally just stopped and just became yeah. this other guy. You know, it's, it's amazing what we're capable of when we commit to it. You know, I, I not to get too like into the mindset was, but I just heard, um, oh man, who was talking about David Goggins, David Goggins in his new book, the whole first chapter is about the difference between hope and belief. And he was like, you know, everybody talks about hope, which I do. I'm always like, everybody needs hope. It's like, hope yeah. doesn't mean anything without belief. You can hope you can do something, but until you believe you can actually do it, you're not really going to make those changes. And uh, I've been paying more attention to that lately. So what was it that made you like, you know, cause sometimes people wait for like a catalyst in their life, but what was that change that made you finally say like, I can do this or I'm going to be better. And cause a lot of people try and make the changes and then they go right back to what they were doing the second they have any sort of hiccups or hurdles or obstacles, but you stood the, the path regardless, as we said, of you kept swimming upstream regardless of what you ran into. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, it's tough. I mean, there's, there's, there is no doubt that as you go on your journey, you are going to get knocked down and you're going to get knocked down a lot. Um, but I think, I think that the biggest catalyst for me is just knowing that I'm capable of more, knowing that there's other people out there that I need to help. And if I don't get myself fixed first and be the best version of me that I can be, then there's no chance of me going out there and helping, you know, all those other people that I'm supposed to help. And, you know, the second thing is, is, you know, the pain of reverting back to that previous life is, is also, you know, a catalyst that pushes you the other direction as well. So I think, um, you know, when it comes to like uh, addiction, for instance, a lot of people will talk about, you know, hitting a rock bottom. And I think that, you know, I think that's it. You know, you kind of hit the point where you're like, I can't keep on living life this way and keep doing the same things that I've been doing and getting the same results. And if I want a different result, then I have to change the actions. Um, so, you know, that's that's kind of what pushed me to start making those changes. I absolutely love that, man. I, I tell people all the time, your life is a, is a recipe. Where you are today is because of all the decisions you've made, that's your recipe. And if you think you're going to change where you end up and you're not going to have to change the ingredients in that recipe, it's it's crazy, you know? So it's just a, a conscious decision. So I, I love that, man. And That's you know, a I, great I, analogy. Yeah, I, well, I'm a food guy. I always have to go back to food, right? <laughs> nice. Every time. So the uh, the other part that I think is also worth noting is a lot of the guys that I know that are more successful, they they tend to come from backgrounds of like law enforcement, military, athletics, things that I, I guess come from like discipline and structure. What kind of things did you learn from being in the Marine Corps that have helped you translate into business today? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, so yeah, like, it's, like I said earlier, you know, one of my main things was figuring out how to, how to kind of bulletproof my mind, so to speak. And um, so when, you know, when, when I went through the experience with the Marine Corps, what I, what I eventually it took a long time to get here, but what I eventually got to the point of is they want to get you to the point where when you're told to do something, you immediately respond and go do that thing. 
And it doesn't matter if it doesn't make sense or it doesn't matter if it's hard or it's going to be challenging or anything like that. Uh, mission success is, you know, the number one thing. And that is one of the biggest lessons I learned that, you know, before I did that, there would have been a lot of things that I said, oh, you can't do that. Or, oh, you know, that's not possible or all these different things. And, um, you know, a lot of that stuff is just just limiting beliefs. So um, that's one piece. And the other piece is you end up pushing your body to places that you didn't think you could. And you realize that your body is a lot more capable than what we think. And uh, I know you know a ton about that based on your jujitsu background. But um, yeah, that's been that's been a couple of huge lessons for me along the way. That's awesome, man. I love that. Those are all, it's interesting because I've, I've talked to so many different people from different branches of the military that are all successful in business and they all have a little bit of a different take of like what they took from that life. So it's cool. That was a very yeah. original side of it that I like. That was a great answer. Thank you. I appreciate awesome. that. Definitely. So let's talk, let's talk your bread and butter now, marketing. So what is marketing? Like if you just had to just give a quick, like people are like, what the hell is he talking about with marketing anyway? What, what would your answer be? I would say that's a great question. Uh, I wasn't ready for this one. Um, so marketing, I would say um, to make to make another person aware of something. So whether it be a product or a service or whatever else, it is making them aware of it in a way that they want it. That's a great answer, man. You're throwing your feet pretty good there. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> That's good, man. It makes sense too, because again, if, if you don't tell anybody what you're doing, how are they ever going to know? So um, yep. now pivoting to real estate investors, I know you're helping out with marketing on that side, but why is it important? Why is marketing important for real estate investors? Yeah, well, I mean, when it comes down to wholesaling, it, it's pretty much just a marketing game. Um, it's just who can drive in the number of leads that they need to uh, at the cost they need to to do, you know, the number of deals that they have to do. So, um, you know, in order to generate consistent deal flow, you have to be marketing uh, in that industry. And it's it's the lifeblood of the business. I mean, there's there's just no two ways about it. If you If you stop your marketing, the business just goes away. There's just no other way around it. So one of the things that I first saw you do was you were pulling up some marketing stuff when you talked about how to scrub bad properties from your list. So before we, I guess, even get into that, backtracking for somebody listening, if they're not really even aware, like what are lists? Like when you talk about marketing, a lot of that comes from like, well, we're pulling lists, but what are lists? Yeah. So, um, you know, there's three components to a marketing campaign. There's the offer, there's the list, and then there's the uh, creative or the copy. And so the list are the people that we are going to send this marketing out to. Um, and typically when it comes to uh, real estate investors or wholesalers, um, they are wanting to buy off-market properties at a discount. And what they do is they trade equity for speed, as you know. So <clears throat> what, the, what, Typically, in order to find people that are willing to trade equity for speed, there needs to be some kind of external circumstance that's happening in their life that is going to cause them to need to move out of that property quickly or something like that. So um, there's a lot of different ones. Just to give some quick examples, code enforcement liens, um, bad credit, foreclosures, uh, bankruptcies, all these different types of uh situations that people find themselves in, you can go and pull list of these people. And so those are the people that we are running marketing campaigns to in order to try to see if they want to sell those properties. That's fantastic. It's say, I, I tell everybody when they go, well, why would somebody want to sell their property? I, I would never sell my property at like 50, 60 cents in the dollar. And I go, oh, no, I totally get that. So are you going through like a tax foreclosure, a mortgage foreclosure, probate, like no, you're not. So you wouldn't. So there has to be some motivation because we're not getting deals from people that want to sell. You're getting deals from people that need to sell. So there, I like that you talked about there has to be some extenuating circumstances for it. So um, you mentioned three parts there that I thought was interesting. So let, let's talk through those. We're on that topic. So you said you had the, yeah. the list, the offer, and the copy. So what, talk the offer now. Yeah. So <laughs> So to go a little bit deeper into that, you know, most of the things that you look at, it'll say that 40% 40 uh, 40 of your success is due to the offer, 40% is the list, and then 20% is the creative. Um, so we got the list part knocked out. Um, as far as the offer goes, 
you know, this is why I think the list is so important inside of real estate investing, because typically most of your wholesalers out there have the same offer. You know, it's like, hey, we can pay cash for your house quickly and we can close in a short amount of time. You know, some people have like a multi-tiered offer where they offer, you know, cash and then owner finance and then something else. But, um, you know, typically most people are just making cash offers. So if that's true, the really the only thing that we have to differentiate ourselves um, is really the list. Uh, now, that's not the case in every single industry. A lot of times the offers are really good, but um, typically the offer to these people is to buy buy them out in cash uh, and close quickly. I love that. And then the third part of that, so you said the copyright? Yeah, yeah, the copyright. Um, you know, what are the words on the paper? How is it laid out? What does it look like to the eye? Does it does it make people want to read it? Um, things like that. So that's the that's the final piece of the puzzle. That's cool. I agree too. I think um, it's interesting when you watch people that are doing the same thing in the same markets and one has a lot of success and one doesn't. Um, what are you seeing as far as when we talked about scrubbing lists? What are some common mistakes people make in their marketing? Yeah, that's that's a great question. Um, you know, with with how the market is right now, um, you know, it's it's a little bit tighter. And I have always been a huge proponent of going after more niche style lists, like specific events. Um, you know what they are, but for people listening, if you're not familiar, niche event or those examples I gave earlier, like code enforcement liens, you know, houses that have caught on fire, foreclosures, stuff like that. Those are all different types of niche lists. One thing that I think a lot of people struggle with is they they just get lists wherever they can and they just pull like a high equity list or something like that. And the downside is, is that it costs the same amount to market to a bad list as it does to a good list. So they spend all this money and they're marketing to these people that aren't really motivated. And that's when they kind of have, you know, they get frustrated and, and uh, end up, you know, not continuing to do it. What are you seeing as far as somebody comes into you today? So let, let, let's backtrack a little bit. Somebody finds you and they go, hey, I'm interested in finding some motivated sellers. What does that process look like for starting out for the average bear? Like where does that conversation go and how do they start even figuring out what they want to pull, how they want to pull, how much they want to like, there's so many different variables that people don't yeah. probably take into consideration that you have to start to make them think about. Yeah, absolutely. What a great question. So uh, the main things are number one, what specific areas do they want to target, whether it's, you know, a county, a city, a zip code. So that's one. Um, and then the second one is, what is the ARV range or after repair value range of the properties that you want to buy? So, you know, typically you're not going to have a lot of success buying $2 million houses <laughs> at wholesale prices. So, you know, we want to figure out where is the sweet spot for that and what, what price range do we want to target? So that's another one. The next one is what types of properties do you want to target? So you got single family, duplex, triplex, vacant land, condos, you know, which of those do you want to target? And then lastly, depending on whatever exit strategy you have, um, you also need to determine, is there a minimum equity requirement for us to even be able to make this deal happen? So those are the four pieces of criteria that I initially get from the client whenever I talk to them, just so that we can figure out exactly what their target criteria is and make sure that we build the best list possible for that. Do you have it happen often that when people call you to get started and you ask those questions, it's stuff they haven't even thought about yet? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I've, I used to send, uh, I used to send them like to a questionnaire and multiple times I've had people fill out like whatever you think, or, you know, something like that. So, um, you know, no big deal, but I have had that happen a lot. It's amazing. I, I remember being in that spot, but like, you know, so I used to get frustrated when I would call people for advice and instead of answering my question, they would ask me 40 more questions. And now I understand because it's like, you're right. Like, how do I, I'm going after a deal, but what is a deal? Where is a deal? Like, yeah. what's a deal to me? Because a deal to me is different than a deal to you. So like, all that stuff's important. And it gets a little frustrating at first. And I think that's where sometimes people get overwhelmed. And I, I love your opinion on this because I, I think I've struggled with it. I assume other people have too. But I sit with you and I go, okay, Ryan, I, I want to pull some really good lists. I really need to get some deals. I'm going to be paying for some marketing. Like, what should I pull? And it's like, well, I don't know. Like, are there better lists? And I'm sure that varies area to area. But you tend to go, well, if I pick absentee, maybe I'm missing out on high equity. And if I pick high equity, maybe I'm missing out on, you know, list, like whatever it is. But yeah. you, 
you is is there like a wrong answer there? Like what what is what would you say to somebody who's having a bit of analysis paralysis of worrying about making a decision on where and what to pull because they're afraid they're going to make the wrong decision? Yeah, that's a great question. So, um, let me take a let me take one step back from that. So, I think the first thing that before you before you ever build out any list, I think the first step that somebody should do is figure out what their budget is, and you know what do you what can you consistently spend over the next four to six months that won't put you in jeopardy of you know um, you know in financial jeopardy at all. And once we figure that out, then we can figure out, you know, how much marketing we can do with that amount of money. So, you know, if we're talking about mail, let's assume that it's 50 cents a postcard. If we're putting $2,000 a month down on our marketing, we could send 4,000 postcards. So what I would want to do is build the absolute best list of 4,000 people that I can. That is, that would be my goal. And then consistently stay in front of those people over those few months. Um, but as far as, as far as lists, um, there's a lot of different data providers out there and I would start going into those systems, whatever one you subscribe to and go in there and pull some of the different niche style lists that they have. And then if you don't have enough to hit your budget amount, then backfill with some of those absentee, uh, or high equity, but on all of those different things, I think there's different filters you can set that is going to notch up the volume on the potential motivation. So for example, if we decide we're going to target absentee, I want to start with absentee out of state. And then if we don't have it filled up, then go absentee out of county. Then if we don't have it filled up, then pull all the absentee. But on each type of list, there's different like little levers that we can turn to kind of dial up the uh, motivation so that we're making sure we get the best uh, list of 4,000 that our money can buy. I love that, man. And I know there's definitely some high level guys on here that are already doing that. And they're looking to see how they can pick better lists. But something you just said for people that are new, if they don't understand why it's important for you to be looking first, maybe higher motivation out of state, out of county, why, why were you saying to do that? Yeah, so we want, we want, you know, like we mentioned earlier, these niche events, we want people that this house is a pain in the rear and they don't want to deal with it anymore. And, you know, it's, it becomes increasingly more difficult to manage a property, the further you get away from it. So, um, you know, the absentee out of state, those people are very, very detached from the property. They probably don't have sentimental value to the property. Um, and it's probably a headache for them. So they're more likely to sell than the guy who lives right down the street from his property. Um, you know, not in every case, but we're trying to we're trying to get the you know the averages to work out in our favor. So that's why we would segment the list that way and you know target that out of state first. I love that. I tell people, uh, you know, we were looking at some tax auctions last week, and the owner of some of them were were in Puerto Rico, and I was like, well, like somebody who lives in that same city probably has a constant reminder of like, oh yeah, I got to pay those taxes versus the guy out of the country. He doesn't have that always reminder. And, and the no. example I give is like, hey, hey, Ryan, you just won a contest. You got a prize. It's like, awesome. That's great. It's like, hey, man, you got to pick it up in California, though. It's like, well, what's the prize? If it's $100, $1,000, like there's a point that you're like, it's not worth yeah. me going. And there's a point it is. So it's, it's yeah. you know, very, very similar to the, the motivation there for like how, how far are they willing to go to save that at this point? And the further they are away, the better deal it's got to be. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. Awesome, man. So that, that's great info like there. So now when we talk about, niching out to these lists and picking some other ones. Do you have better channels that you prefer? I know you're a direct mail guy, but for, for people not listening, like channels could be RVM, SMS, cold call, door knocking, direct mail, like all stuff that have been tried, true and tested. Like what are some of your favorites and why? Yeah. Um, well, I think it really comes down to, you know, in order to generate wholesale deals, you're either going to have to spend money or you're going to have to spend your time. Uh, it's one of those two things. So, um, you know, if you have if you have money, I think that um, I think that direct mail is great. I think that um, you know PPC is usually pretty strong. Uh, most of the time, SEO is uh, is a high return investment as well. So those are all good. Um, also, pay per click um, is pretty popular right now, or I'm sorry, pay per lead uh, is pretty popular right now. So those are all good ones if you have quite a bit of a marketing budget. If you don't. Um, you know, there's texting. Uh, that's a big one. RVM, you mentioned. Um, I haven't seen as many people doing that right here lately. 
because I think there's a lot of issues with it. And the same with texting. It seems like the deliverability is getting worse and worse as we go. I think we're I think we're on the back end of our texting days, most likely. I don't think it'll go on at scale. You know, if you go back a few years ago, people were sending tens of thousands of texts a day. And now most of the systems cap out at like 600 a day. So you can't really do it at mass scale. Uh, and then another thing that I've that I kind of got my start with was I found, uh, well, you know, Bill, uh, Bill was Bill was doing a ton of direct mail marketing in my market. And I just asked him if I could have his return mail because he wasn't doing anything with it. So uh, I started looking up those people, finding them, getting in contact with them. And uh, we started generating some deals that way. So those are all like low cost ways that I think would be good for people to get out there and get going. That's awesome. That's, that's great advice right there. So talking about direct mail now, I know obviously marketing has a budget. What is the threshold now for like average? They're coming in, they want to do some mail. Is there like a starting point where you should probably budget about X amount on the low side? And obviously it can go up to who who knows how much. I know people spend it six figures a month in direct mail, but like what, what's a good thing? Like starting out new, you don't want to break the bank. You want to test the market a little bit. What's a good expectation to start with as far as a marketing budget? Yeah, that's a great question. So <clears throat> This varies tremendously by market, but, um, you know, just kind of an average number that I think is pretty safe. I would say that your average cost of marketing to generate a deal across the nation is probably somewhere around 4,500 to five grand right now ish. And, you know, you go to San Diego and it's five figures, you know, there's, there's exceptions all over the place, but, um, I would say 4,500 to 5,000. And so based on that, I think that you should set up your marketing um, with that information in mind. So if you if you need to generate a deal within a couple months, and you know, so if it was five thousand per deal and you put down twenty five hundred dollars a month, um, you know, after a couple months, you should be around your first deal. Now, what we'd like to do is see us beat those averages, but until we do, um, you know, we just go off the averages as as our basis. So. Um, there's that. And then the other thing is um, that I think a lot of new people uh, struggle with as well is they they'll see this big list of 10,000 people and they'll say, hey, I'm going to mail all of them. And they mail them all once. And um, it, it's almost just like burning money. Um, you know, whatever, whatever you, you you know, these things already, but um you know, there's the rule of sevens in marketing that says, you know, if you got to touch somebody seven times for them to even know you exist. And, you know, over 80% of your sales come between the fifth and 12th touch. And most of your newer investors are starting, are, are starting direct mail campaigns, and they're touching them, you know, one, two, maybe three times. And there's just not a ton of sales that are happening in those first three touches, they happen further, further along the line. So I would recommend Whenever you figure out your budget, we want to figure out what we can send in that month. And we, we just want to send to those same people each month. If we have some new people come along that are good fit for us, we can add them to the list. But we're going to just keep those same people. We're going to stay in front of them. If you have been kicking yourself that you didn't start investing in real estate soon, whether you're beginner, intermediate, or advanced, any way you're looking to get it on a residential, commercial, land development, wholesaling, fix and flips, whatever it is, let's find a way to get you involved in some projects, get you some properties, whether you want to sell some properties to me, whether you want to buy some properties from me, whether residential, fix and flip, cash flow, multifamily, whatever it is you're looking for, let's figure out a way to get you involved or find a way for us to partner up on some deals. Or you can just reach out to me on any of my social media channels. If you go on www.nicknicknick.com slash links, you will see all the different ways to connect with me and figure out how we can start to work together, make it happen. Everybody that invests in real estate always just says they wish they did it sooner. Best time to start is today. Awesome. So I would assume direct mail is pretty much your, that, that's your bread and butter. That's your main, your main strategy. Yeah. Yeah. So the question, it was interesting. I forget who was, um, man, I forget his name off, offhand. I don't mean to insult him, but he was speaking at Flip Hacking Live and he, he was great. And his whole thing, it was a lot of driving for dollars and doing direct mail. Oh, Bethel. That was the yeah, Vaughn Bethel. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Vaughn yeah. Bethel. So he was, uh, Vaughn, he was doing great. great. He was talking about how People will go, and, and I, I heard uh, Henry Washington talking about it too, but he was like, you know, you got one room here at BPCon and they're, they're doing texting. The other one's doing driving for dollars. The other one's doing PPC. The other one's doing direct mail. The other one's doing so, and they're all making a ton of money. He's like, so pick one and stick with it. But I think exactly what you said is the biggest issue of 
they start putting money into something and then they go, well, that didn't work. It's been 30 days and then it'll give it time. And, you know, I, I use a lot of analogies, but I go, look, you wouldn't plant a seed and put water on it. And then tomorrow go, oh, there's no tree and throw it out the window. Like, but people, I think that that's where they quit is they don't understand that it's going to take 30, 60, 90 days for them to start to see some results of the marketing. And then it starts to have turnover, like a conveyor belt, the stuff you did the week after that and the week after that. What are you seeing as an average time and expectation for like, you start marketing, you got like a four to $5,000 a month budget. How long, you know, and again, I, I know there's a million variables to this, but sure. you know, somebody's coming in green. They don't really know any, any better. Their expectation is I'm going to give you money today. I'm going to have a deal tomorrow. What is the real ex expectation to get a deal from your marketing? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so typically, I you know, if we're running a full size campaign for somebody, I'd like to I'd like to have at least one under contract in the first month of working oh. together, um, and then you know try to stack on other ones in those in the second and third months. Um, you know, when I just this is me personally, and I, I think you made a great point about people you know kind of expecting you know, these great things to happen. And then they send out their first campaign and it's crickets um, on my stuff. The stuff that I send for myself, I have no expectation of doing any deals on the first mailer. I, I feel like if we do get one, you know, awesome. We're lucky uh, count it as a win and move on, but it, it's not the typical thing. Usually if just to be blunt, usually that first campaign goes out, you're excited. And then, you know, it, it just, that first one underperforms a lot of times. That makes total sense. And now with, with uh, KPIs and stuff, obviously tracking that, because I tell people like, it's never a no, it's a not yet. But then if, if you don't follow up, it was a no. So what are some KPIs you're, you're studying and keeping track of to know what's working, what's not? Because I think then on top, that's kind of where I was going with, with uh, Vaughn. It's like, well, do I use a green postcard or a yellow postcard? Do I spray it with perfume? Do I do that? You know what I mean? Like there's so yeah. many different variables. And I think people, again, get held up. Well, I don't know what the right choice is. So as far as like what you put out, how important is that? And then what do you track to, to follow up on those campaigns? Yeah, I, I, you know, the biggest difference I see between the people that are super successful and the people that struggle are the people that are super successful, they know their numbers. Uh, that is, that's just the truth of it. And basically, you know, you have to track your numbers. And when you do, you want to track it by marketing type, and you want to get to the point where you can compare apples to apples across all the different marketing channels. So, um, you know, with direct mail, you'll have cost per call, cost per lead, cost per appointment, cost per contract, cost per deal. Um, you'll have all those different things. And if you set everything up, uh, everything else up that way, you'll start being able to compare, well, hey, every time I put a dollar into the direct mail machine, it spits out three and a half. But every time I put a dollar into my PPC machine, it spits out $6. So then you can kind of get a real you know, real feedback on exactly what is, you know, performing the best in your market and start adjusting things based on those numbers. I think that everything, all it comes down to is cost per deal um, compared to average assignment fee. So, you know, with, with most companies that are, that are pretty light and don't have a huge overhead and stuff like that, in my opinion, you want to be at a minimum of three X your spend uh, as far as your assignment fee goes. So if it costs you five grand to generate a deal, we want to see the assignment fee be 15 grand or higher. Um, and if you're doing that consistently, I think you're in pretty good shape. Um, a lot of times you'll get people that have some marketing channels that are performing, you know, five, six times, five or six X. Uh, and then they'll have some that are below three and then it averages out to about three. But um, yeah, three is kind of the magic number is what I like to go off of. That's awesome. That's great info there. What have you seen as far as, um, you know, COVID, everything happened over there, more people were home. What kind of changes were you seeing in direct mail when everybody was like working from home all the time where they were more getting open or less getting open? Well, there for a while, um, you know, everybody was scared to open, well, not everybody, but a lot of people were scared to open their mail. So it was like, you know, is this even worth sending them to them? Cause they're going to be scared to death. Other people touched it. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, you know, I think, I think that has impacted the industry some, um, but you know, more so than that, I think, I think the, you know, the crazy, you know, house cycle that we've been through the last couple of years has been, you know, the biggest thing that has impacted the responses. And, um, you know, right now at this current second in the market, 
I think there's a big discrepancy between where the sellers uh, want to sell and, you know, where the actual, what the current value of that property is. And, uh, you know, it's, we're kind of stuck in that limbo phase right this second. Yeah, it's an interesting time. Have, have your lists adjusted at all for where we are in the market as far as different motivations and stuff than it was maybe six, nine months ago? Yeah, um, we we are seeing we are seeing certain lists, you know, just becoming more and more filled with people a lot more so than than in the past, you know, specifically like bad credit. Um, sometimes those lists are getting like really, really large. Um, so yeah, it, it's definitely we're definitely seeing some changes um, seeing, you know, when we go and we stack list, we basically, you know, um, I'm trying to trying to think of a simple way to describe it you know, with stacking the list, we basically just see which properties are on multiple lists so that we can concentrate more efforts on those properties. And it's amazing how many stacks we get on some of these, some of these different properties of all the different things they have going on with them. That's awesome, man. Now, so I tell also people, the more stuff you're willing to do that the person next to you is not, the more money you'll make in this business. And I saw you get a shout out from a guy, you sent him like a matchbox car and then you sent him like a thing of popcorn and stuff. So I thought it was really cool. And obviously you stuck out to him and he was like, yeah, that's my guy. So talk a little bit about what you do there and why you do it. Cause I thought that was a really cool strategy that, uh, you know, the, the old quote, it's really never that, cr that crowded on the extra mile. I figured that's exactly what you did there. Yeah, man, that, that's a, that's a great way to look at it. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, yeah. So when I, when I first launched uh, this company back in 2019, I was running Facebook ads and I was spending tons of money and I was just, I was getting on a lot of calls uh, with potential clients, but they were just the wrong people. And um, you know, that went on for a while and I was getting frustrated. I was spending money like crazy and it just wasn't working. And I, I was, I didn't know what else to do. I was about out of money. We were almost out of business before we were even in business. And I ran across this concept called uh, the Dream 100. Uh, and back in 2007, uh, Chet Holmes wrote a book called The Ultimate Sales Machine, where he mentions this Dream 100 concept. And he said, instead of going after the entire world as your potential clients, just go after the 100 ideal clients. And then several years later, Russell Brunson takes it, puts his spin on it. And he says, instead of going after the 100 ideal clients, go after the 100 influencers that already have your ideal clients as part of their audience. So I, I read about that and I thought, man, you know, I'm great at finding people. So this is right in my wheelhouse. So what I did was I went, went online. I built a list of about 250 different um, real estate investors that were high level. And I sent them all matchbox cars and uh, we did for the, for the first five months of the business, we did $0 of revenue. And the month we did that uh, we did 90 grand the first month. So um, I, I didn't know we were going into this, but I I'm starting a, I'm starting a new offer right now where we're, we're helping business owners connect with those people that can really, really move the needle for them make those high level connections. So um, we we like to use mail just because the online space is so noisy and crowded these days. If you can send something to somebody's house and just put a little gift in there that gets their attention in some way, it'll buy you, you know, a couple of minutes for them to read your message. And, you know, you can get in front of somebody for, you know, six bucks. So it's a, it's a really effective way to do really uh, pinpointed marketing. I wouldn't do it you can't afford to do it to a bulk audience, but you can do it to specific people. I love that, man. That that's really cool. And obviously it works, you know what I mean? And then you yeah. can, that's what that's the good thing about social media. I tell everybody it's a it's a tool or it's a weapon. It could be used for good mm -hmm. or evil. But when you do something like that and then that person shows it and tags you, and like that's really cool. That's how stuff really starts yeah. to get out there. So I thought that was awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, that was cool. So talk about some of the other ways now. I know you got some other stuff coming out. You got Leadsmith RE, but you're also working on something new. And now you talked about this stuff. So let's go into like people that are listening that are overwhelmed. I don't even know how to pick lists. What are the best yeah. lists? What's my budget would be? How do I keep track of these KPIs? All that kind of stuff. Where, where do you come in in this process? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, for the last few years, we've done, we've had done for you everything we've we've done we've done for you all of our different packages and what i what i decided to create was i thought you know we have been in this business for the last several years we have bought massive amounts of data we've done tons of testing and all these different things and 
we have figured out, you know, which lists really, really perform really well. And I thought, what if we just created a quick guide that listed all of our favorite lists and exactly where to get them and why we like them? And um, it's a $5 product. But I think that what it'll do is give people a really good jump start on, you know, hey, I don't know which list to pull or hey, I'm brand new or hey, I've been doing this forever, but my lists aren't great. Um, it's a great foundation to start um, getting those types of lists and exactly where to get them in the whole nine yards. So uh, inexpensive product, it's five bucks and uh, it has all of my favorite list in there and exactly where I get them. That's awesome. And then as far as uh, linking up influencers with people of influence, like you were saying earlier, what, what, where's that going to go? How do we, how do we get involved in that? Yeah. So um, if you want to check that out, you can go to uh, dreamsmith.one or you can email me at Ryan at dreamsmith.one. And uh, yeah, what we're doing is we're putting, putting together very um, custom campaigns. It could be anything from um, we've done it with people that wanted to buy a specific farm and they've done that. We've done it where, you know, people want to appear on podcasts because they have a new book coming out or they have a, you know, a $5,000 offer that they want to get in front of and get more people into. So they want to get on podcasts. So anything like that um, is right in our wheelhouse. That's cool. And now, uh, so you, you said something that I haven't heard anybody say in a while that I, I loved. I, I brought it up before we started talking, but when you're going through all this stuff, like your, your day as an entrepreneur, like thinking of the stuff that you want to put into your head versus out of your head is hard. And, you know, like we were going back to the mindset thing, it's like having junk food all day. And I, I get very triggered by the news. Cause when I was growing up, my parents watched the news every day at dinner. And it was Tom Brokaw talking about how like every day I was like, this is it. We're going to die tomorrow. So like, I, I've always hated it. And now that I got yeah. away from it, it's been almost interesting. So I'll have a little bit of a two-part question here, but I tell people all the time, don't watch it. My buddy Joey says CNN is constant negative news, but yeah. when I, whenever I'm exposed to it now, I'm so sensitive to it. If I'm in an Uber and the guy puts it on, if I'm in a restaurant, I'm like, please shut that off. I, I was home in New York over Christmas and they're showing all like the Christmas lights and stuff. And like the banner that's going underneath, like these beautiful Christmas pictures is like three killed in tornado in Oklahoma. I'm like, come on, I want to see that it's Christmas. Right. So, Talk yeah. about your uh, like the, the benefits of not watching the news and keeping like the, the clean and the positive stuff going into your head every day versus the garbage. Yeah, man, uh, that is that is a lesson that took me a long time to learn. But, you know, every bit of information that we consume, um, I think, has an effect on us, whether it be positive or negative. And uh, yeah, a while back, uh, I stopped watching the news in my 20s. I kind of got into um I kind of got overly involved in politics and I knew, you know, what was happening and who said what to what and all this different stuff. And what I found after doing that was it just made me miserable. Like it, it was not, it was nothing. Me knowing all that stuff did nothing to help the situation. And it just made me get upset for no reason. So um, I've kind of gone the exact opposite, you know, direction and I don't watch news at all anymore. Um, you know, it's all like you, you know, it's all to get clicks and to get attention. And, you know, they have to spin this stuff so that they can get people to watch their shows and stuff like that. And, you know, most of the time it's, it's over nothing. So um, yeah, I'm just, I don't get involved with it at all. Uh, I even, I'm even careful about how long I'm on Facebook a lot of times, because I'll go start going down some, you know, some, so, you know, some paths that get me upset or whatever else. And uh, I'm like, why am I even on here? You know, like uh, do my business, you know, put out whatever post I'm going to do and then leave. So uh, yeah, turning off the news has been huge for me. And uh, I highly recommend it to anybody who, uh, you know, wants to have more peace. I agreed. I, I watched my dad turn it on and you look at the TV every day. I'm like, you chose to put that on. Like, you can't, you can only be mad at yourself for that. But you brought yeah. up another, that was going to be my follow-up there is I've always stayed away from the news. And over the last year, I, I always loved social media. And now I'm almost finding like the negativity from the news is now transitioned over to social media. And like a lot of the stuff when I scroll, it's like agendas and stuff. And I'm kind of like, man, this isn't even the safe place it used to be anymore either. And, I, and I'm, I'm trying to almost distance myself from there as well. Unfortunately, it's a massive tool for this business. So I'm trying to work that part out. But are you, are you finding the same thing? Like, I guess you kind of just said the same thing. Like you see a little bit of that on social media as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely see it, uh, especially when when I'm just like scrolling through the feed or whatever else. Um, you know, the the kind of counter to that is 
there are some really good, you know, groups of people. I know you're a part of some of them. And, um, you know, I like being in like those little groups because it's not, you know, when you go into that group, you don't have to deal with all that other stuff. All those people are high performers, you know, they're all in there to get better and they all have a common goal. And I think in those groups, it's awesome. But yeah, scrolling through the feed is not, is not a, a good use of my time. I can tell you that. Yeah, I heard Joe Rogan just talking about how, because uh, somebody was talking about how, like the comments are just, it's like the the YouTube commenters are like the lowest, like bottom feeders. It's like, it's always bad. So they were like, post and ghost. That's the way. You post what you yep. have, and then you get the hell off. And I was like, all right, yeah, that makes sense. That doesn't make yeah, sense. Though. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome stuff, man. Well, dude, you've been, you've been awesome for sure. I like to call this a victory lap where we kind of wrap things up with a few questions. One of the first ones being, what is one of your favorite books? Ooh, that's a good one. Um... <clears throat> That's a great one. Um, so the one that got me started in real estate investing was the same one as everybody else. Um, rich dad, poor dad. Um, but outside, outside of that being a big game changer for me, I really like um, secrets of the millionaire mind. I don't think I've heard that one yet. Who, who, who wrote that? Uh, T Harv Ecker. Oh, cool. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Great. Very nice. Yeah. I really like that one. So speaking of quotes, cause that guy's got a lot of great quotes. What is one of your favorite quotes? Favorite quotes. Uh, the one that sticks out is, uh, and I don't, I don't know the, I don't know it verbatim, but Michael Jordan talked about how many times he's been given the game-winning shot and how many times he missed it, and uh, and then another one is, you know, he's he's something about he's only been that successful because of how many times he's failed. I think anything around those two topics is, is uh, right up my alley. I love that, man. Two, two good ones right there. One of the last ones here, put you on the spot a little bit. What is one of your biggest mistakes in real estate? Well, that's a good question. Um, playing way too small, thinking that uh, my capabilities are less than they actually are. Uh, you know, there's a, you know, you, you know, this better than I do. There's a lot of high level players out there and the truth is they're just normal people. And, um, you know, anybody that's listening to this can become one of those, one of those high level operators. And it doesn't, you don't have to be born with it or anything like that. So don't, don't underestimate yourself like I did. I love that, man. That, that's great info. I think we could all use that from time to time. And finally, of course, how do people find you? Obviously for any of the new stuff you have coming up when this episode comes out, check the show notes. I'm going to have some links to go where you need to go there, but social media, stuff like that, company websites, like what's the best way to kind of find you and contact you? I know you gave an email out earlier. Yeah. Yeah. So you can check out our website at leadsmithre.com. Um, you can send me an email at ryan at leadsmithre.com. Um, on Facebook, it's facebook.com uh, slash dreamsmith01 is my account. And uh, any of those ways are great ways to contact me. That is outstanding, man. Again, you get my, my seal of approval personally and professionally. You've always been a super nice guy. I've always wanted to have you on. And it's always great to see and connect with you. I'm happy you're doing great. Family's doing great. And I'm excited for all the new business stuff that you're doing. You are definitely a guy who brings your A-game into everything you do. And this interview has been no different. You brought your A-game to the show today. Any final thoughts before I let you go, Mr. Ryan Smith? No, sir. I, I really, really appreciate you having me. And I appreciate you being you. And just, uh, you're awesome, man. I, I really appreciate your time. It was great chatting with you. Always good catching up, man. I appreciate you coming on doing this. You're welcome back anytime you want to talk about what's going on. I'm always happy to have you. Ryan Smith, ladies and gentlemen, have a great day.